All right, you guys, welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. We are super excited. We are sitting here with Christy Kutka and Love Baines mm-hmm. from Chicago Title Company. Thank you guys for coming on today. I know it took uh, a little bit of work. This is a little bit of time in the making to get you guys on. Uh, but thank you guys for being on today. How are you guys? We're Good. wonderful. Super excited to yeah. be here. I've been looking forward to it all month long. <laughs> she has, cannot stop talking about a certain podcast. <laughs> so we expect that you've listened to every episode at this point. You know how this is going to go? No idea. Okay. <laughs> Let's just all be right, honest Fair here. enough. <laughs> well, Should we lie to you? Tell you what am I looking for here? No, no, don't lie. So uh, we're excited to have you guys on. Obviously, we've been working together a lot for the last few years. Um and frankly, most people don't even understand what escrow company is or what title and escrow are. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's some confusion there. So uh, we pride ourselves on having experts come in and explain to newer investors what they do and how they do it. And so when we thought of escrow and title, uh, we thought of you guys. Okay. So if you wouldn't mind, just a quick introduction, uh, who you work with, Chicago, what you guys do, kind of overview, and we'll dive deeper from there. Sure. Do you want to introduce me and I'll introduce you? Sure. (laughs) So Christy Kutka has been working at Chicago Title for 30 years now, as of April. That is longer than I have been alive, guys. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. And I haven't fired her yet. Yeah. (laughs) Christy started out as the receptionist at Chicago Title and then worked her way up. She then moved over to customer service and then became an escrow assistant and then finally an escrow officer and she's been grinding away since mm-hmm. dang and this is my dear friend love neat baines she is the yang to my yang and she's been working with me for seven years now mm-hmm. and she started as my assistant and when she walked in i looked at her and i said here are the keys to the castle what do you want to do with them what do you want to do whatever you want to do we're going to do it and when I tell you this girl was on a rocket ship to become the most amazing escrow officer ever, that is an understatement. That is an understatement. She's kind of she's kind of bad at, yeah, whatever she is. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I, will, I will refrain from the rest of that word. That's what I will do. If you guys want to know if I have a filter, today's the day. <laughs> you, um, we're not at a we're not a clean podcast. Oh. You can curse a little bit here. Yeah, she's a badass. Okay, <laughs> I feel a lot better. Got it out. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so she has graduated from Fresno State. She's got her finance degree. Uh huh. Boom. She is a an investor also. Oh. She has a she has got two Airbnbs. She's got a another rental. She's got another three rentals, a hair salon. salon. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> You're crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that we you didn't do all know. The things. No. <laughs> there are things that you do not know. And then then we wonder why escrow is the side hustle. Ah. Well, let's dive into it. It sounds like, obviously, Christy, you've been in the business for a long time. We'll start with you mm-hmm. first. But how did you get into real estate? So uh, when I was a wee child, I decided I was working at Vons at the time and I needed a real person job. And I thought, I want to be a bank manager. Well, that really didn't pan out. Nobody would hire me as a bank teller. So um, my mother had gotten her real estate license at the time. And I decided that if 
if she could have her license, I could have my license too. Cause I was the <laughs> smartest person in the world because I was 20. And you know, when you're 30, you realize how much you really don't know. But in your 20s, you think you know everything. And so um, I went and I got my real estate, or I had all my classes for my real estate license. And then I realized, oh my gosh, nobody's gonna buy a house for me. Because back in the day, we will not equate what day that was, but back in the day, they would not buy a house from a 20 year old. So what you guys are going through right now is kind of amazing. And I'm kind of a little envious. I'm not going to lie. So I went and I decided I was going to get a job in the industry, but I didn't know anybody. So I went ahead and I started calling all the county managers and telling a little little lie, little lie. And the lie was, um, I'm doing a paper for my work experience class and I need to interview people who are in the industry. And I was wondering if I could come in and interview you to find out, you know, what kind of jobs are available in the industry. One of the guys just didn't, just hired me. And I was, you know, the receptionist at lawyer's title for a year. So wow. I ended up, yeah. So it was kind of fun. That's kind of a creative way of getting into the Definitely. industry. <laughs> well, you don't know anybody. What are you going to do? You might have, you know, you have to, you have to figure out a way around it, right? How yeah. are you going to meet people? Well, if you go and you, you know, interview them because they're very special, guess what? So, so you were working on your real estate license. Were you talking to like real estate managers or how did, I don't want to sound no, was, like dumb, was, but even when I got in the business, I didn't know what escrow was. No. So I had taken an escrow class. That was one of my escrow or one of my classes at City College. And I was like, well, this is kind of interesting. Mind you, I really wasn't like, I, I, would I joke around with love because, you know, I, I took a couple accounting classes too and I hated accounting. And lo and behold, guess what I do for a living? I'm basically a glorified accountant <laughs> with that has to have customer service behind me yeah. you know so um no so i i knew that title and escrow existed but i also knew that the only way that i could figure out really truly what was going on was by making some contacts nice you know so that's kind of genius i would never i would have never thought to i'm a liar well <laughs> <laughs> it's a very creative way to get into yeah. a business. I mean, honestly. Yeah. To reach out and to say that you're like doing a paper. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe you could have written a paper. It's not a lie. Right. It just and, wasn't yeah, for the, school. The, it was the, personal. The thing. best part about it was, though, I had to literally go in and say, like, write down what my questions were. I had to have a prep time yeah. to get some legwork. Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't like I just came in and got, I think it might have just been easier to apply for a job. Right. Um, except for the fact yeah. except for the fact that like nobody knew me. I had no background in all of this, you know what I mean? And yeah. hypothetically speaking, I was just a piece of paper. Now if I go in and I interview you and I ask the right questions, guess what? Uh -huh. I'm now a human. And so he was like, "Well, you, you know, do you want a part-time job? I mean, like literally by the time this one of the interviews were was over, I had a part-time job when it was all set. And my first job was to go out to open houses and bring little goodie bags. Mm -hmm. I still see those people to this day. Yes, but I was 20 and I didn't know what I was giving a goodie bag for. So I was like, use lawyer's title. Here's a goodie bag. But I'm sure that there, it probably still happens that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not very much different. Yeah, but I was 20. I didn't know what I was doing. So, yeah. And then love. Christy mentioned that obviously you graduated from Fresno State. Sounds like a finance degree. Yes. Right. So you got out of college. And then how did you find yourself into real estate, <laughs> escrow, everything? Owning so, half of Fresno. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're still working our way up on owning half of Fresno, but we're going to get there one of these days. It's going to happen. So 
If you know anything about me, I mean, I'm very organized, plan ahead, like OCD. So when I tell you I was about to graduate from Fresno State in three years, mind you, I did full time at city and state. I wanted to get done. I wanted to go get a job and work. At the time, I was working as a nanny for my neighbor and I paid my way through school school through the nanny gig. And I was a week from finals about to graduate and I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. This Literally. Is, this is still when you know Love Neat Baines you realize oh my god this makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. No <laughs> like, plan, like, no idea, no none, nothing. No, and nothing. I'm, like, I'm like I don't get it. Nothing. Nothing at all. So I'm studying for finals and I get a call from our sales manager Jennifer Shepard and she says hi I have your resume here and I was wondering if you were still interested in the escrow assistant position and I said sure I have finals can I maybe come in to interview with you guys in like two weeks or so and she said well how about tomorrow (laughs) and I said okay so I went in and I interviewed with Christy and our manager at the time John I remember sitting in Christy's office wanting to hyperventilate because her office was a disaster it's true there was paper (laughs) and files and stuff everywhere and she looks at me dead in the face and she says if you hire me I'm gonna clean up your office and I went it's like Benny yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hurtful. And so I thought for sure, like, and I, it was my first, inter- my big girl job interview ever. Right. Like, I did not come in prepared. I remember John asking me, so what are your strengths? And I totally blinked. I didn't, I couldn't think of what my strengths were. I was kind of nervous. Yeah. So anyways, the interview went well, because then I got a call from our manager at the time, then Mark, and they said, you know, we want you to come back in for another interview. I thought for sure, for sure that Mark would not hire me because I still had um, one more class that I needed to take so I was going to be out on Tuesdays and Thursdays I think was Shoot, the we got her part time yeah. and they looked at me like I had three eyes when I said that this is the girl that I want yeah because we don't do part time right There's nothing part time about your job is not part time no mm-hmm. so we've made up the difference now because we made her work like 40 hours a day <laughs> <laughs> I believe it yeah to work this and is, then this the rest happened. is history I got hired and yeah. I worked part time well I worked full time I still put in all of my hours but I was going to school for with my one or two more classes that I had left over and then that was it I was done you know what I kind of like is that both your stories resonate with us because we both started, I had no connections to the industry. Mm-hmm. I didn't even graduate school. Cade, to this day, will say that he did not have any intention of getting into real estate until the day he met Benny's mom and just said, real estate. Mm-hmm. And then we all kind of worked our way up as yeah. an assistant or like a very, very low level. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Cade and I aren't where you guys are at yet, but I'll slowly give, everybody has gone up the I'll ranks. Maybe 30 years to get here. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> but that's kind of cool. So you guys both started as lower levels at Chicago. Yeah. Did you ever? She you made is, it a step ahead of me. I was just a receptionist. I mean, like. I, oh, she I, got the assistant job. I literally was mm. not worth a penny. Okay. Like, yeah, I wasn't worth I don't know she why. Had I, at thought, least some street I thought you had cred. said you also were receptionist. You said loan oh, or uh, escrow assistant. She was an escrow assistant. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, she had a brain Ooh. in her head. I did not. Did you graduate? No. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Come on. Come on. No. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> so if you're sitting listening to the podcast, it's yeah. kind of interesting to hear that everybody started Somewhere. without really knowing mm-hmm. exactly what they wanted to do. 
And then once you got into the yeah. industry, it's such a flexible industry. You could move if you didn't like it. Right. It was interesting because I don't think neither one of us knew what escrow was. You know what I mean? We, I mean, at least with a real, you say real estate agent, you kind of have a gist right. for a lot what of people it is, know right? what that is. You know, but she applied for what she missed about this. She applied for this escrow assistant job like four or five months before she got a call. So she literally forgot she had even applied for some job that she didn't know what, like she didn't know nothing. My mom, uh, she still has her real estate license, but my mom was practicing real estate years ago. And I remember asking her like, what's escrow? And she's like, well, I don't know. I get a contract and I send it to someone and then you open escrow and they do everything. (laughs) And then there were no truer words. (laughs) Well, let's transition to that. Can you guys break down from like, your side of the transaction what Uh escrow is because from our end we've explained it to people as escrow being a location a group of people and a timeline right it's all interchangeable but in this case we're talking about escrow and title as a specific right company sure so out the definition of an escrow holder is we are the neutral third party that's involved in the transaction and we have two jobs we uphold the contract and we clear title Gotcha. And then we have to have a personality behind it and acting skills and um, be really a, good at multitasking. A law degree and we need to be a CPA. There's like a therapist. Yes. Oh, yeah. there does seem yeah. to be a lot of things that you do. So you said the two things are though uphold the contract and clear title, clear title. But those are the main things. Of course. And so when we start talking about clearing title, we need to make sure that there are no liens against a property. Or the, the people. Or the people. Because and if the people own a property, their liens attach to the property. And if we do not do that job, then the buyer would potentially be responsible for it. Except for the fact that the, the process comes at the end with a title policy guaranteeing that we have done just that. Cleared title and upheld the contract. Gotcha. So in the real estate investing world, the reason why we go to escrow and title has been and will always be you guys clear the title and make sure that we're not inheriting other people's debts or liens or problems, right? Right. Correct. So when we first started, Jason had us uh, do our purchase contract. And on the back of the contract, it was a statement of information. Can you Mm -hmm. break down what a statement of information is for somebody who might not know? Sure. A statement of information is a document that we use in order to help us determine if there's any other liens or judgments against a person. So a statement of information, it asks for your life story. It wants to know your first name, middle name, last name, date of birth, where you were born, how long you've been in the U.S., um, phone numbers, socials, where you've worked the last 10 years. Your children's names, their dates of birth. Prior marriages. Yes. Their information. So, because we have to run your name every which way. So, if I've been married five times, you know, and my name now is Loveneat Baines, and I used to be known as Loveneat Smith and Loveneat Clark and all of these names, there I we have to run the name accordingly to make sure that we're clearing every which way that there may be a lien against me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so then you check the person, but then how do you check the, the property? 
we do a search on the property. We have a title facility and there's actual humans that are checking to see if there's any liens of record against the property. Mm-hmm. Now, because we're human, sometimes there can be things that get missed. If like the legal description is incorrect on the document or if someone's name isn't pr- printed correctly. So that's where your insurance can come into play because if they're in the event that something does get missed, it's the what ifs mm-hmm. of the world. That's what the whole purpose of the insurance is for. Mm-hmm. So your insurance can come into play. We can give you several examples of where title insurance has come into play. We just had one yesterday where a client had to come in and she brought over her title policy and her um, title report from the previous transaction. There was a $20,000 lien that came up on the property when she was trying to sell from the prior owner. The city hadn't released the lien. And when we called into the city, they made it seem like, well, this actually hasn't been paid. So we had to do some legwork and go backwards and we went back to the previous title company and they supplied us with enough documentation in order for us to feel comfortable with proceeding and removing the lien. Gotcha. Now, what if we talk about it from like a buyer's perspective, mm-hmm. right? They're they're buying a house or, or first time home buyers buying a house and their agents, you know, telling them, hey, you've got to go drop off this, you know, EMD or earnest money deposit. You've got to go drop this off at title and then you've got to go sign docs at title and then you've got to do X, Y, Z at title. Mm-hmm. We've got to wait for the preliminary title report from title, mm-hmm. right? So from the buyer's perspective, what are some important parts from the buyer's end that you guys are helping the buyer take care of? So a lot of people don't realize that we hold all the money, okay? So when you bring, we'll just start from day one, the earnest money deposit comes into us. We immediately cash it, we keep it in an escrow trust account, and it just sits there. It sits there until we either close or we cancel by mutual agreement. Right. Okay. Um, Our job is gonna be to make sure, again, that the seller doesn't have any liens against them. The buyer does not want to buy a house if there are liens against this property. And a lot of people are like, we just want to close. No, you don't want to close unless it's clear. Mm -hmm. You don't want to inherit somebody else's headache. Okay. Um, Our job is to make sure that all the documents are in order. Our job is to make sure that the seller has signed and they have given us the proper documentation to make sure that they have the right to sell it. Because we're constantly making sure that these sellers have, you know, the authority documentation <laughs> right you and never want to just believe your your seller no. if they say oh, oh yeah i'm i'm the next trustee don't worry about it don't mm-hmm. worry about all my other siblings that are also <laughs> wanting to inherit this property right you don't know. worry yeah i can see why that would be important. So, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's not it's not that we don't believe people but you know give us the right documentation so we can proceed and we and we ask for stuff and a lot of you can tell the people who don't want to give it to us but same thing. So buyers, what we're going to do is we're going to clear title. Most of the time they hear from us like at the beginning of a transaction as far as a buyer goes. And then they hear from us at the end. Mm-hmm. They hear from us at the end because we have the loan documents in. Right. Our job in between then is to make sure title's clear, the seller's signed, the liens are, you know, the payoffs are in, all that kind of stuff. So with the buyer, what happens is the loan documents come our direction. And again, we're the CPAs of the, you know, the equation, right? So we're taking the loan documents, we're putting it in onto a closing statement and making sure that, you know, we take in the money from the buyer, good funds. Again, yeah, without us, without us, the, you know, the seller doesn't like us very much either. You know, if they're, you know, wire frauds on the uprise guys. Right. You know, fi- fictitious 
cashier's checks. You don't want to do this transaction without a title company. They right. take the liability. Right. So. There's, you, well, sorry, I was going to say, there's one other time that I can think when a buyer is going to hear from you guys, and that's when the preliminary title report comes out. Mm-hmm. And whenever we get a prelim, the first thing we do is just read through it, see if there's anything that, does, that doesn't make sense to us. And whenever we pass that information on to a buyer, we've always been and will continue to be instructed to say, if you have questions, call escrow. Mm-hmm. Correct. And we provide your guys' contact and they call direct. Right. But I'm the buyer on a lot of the properties that we work on. So I reach out to you. And the most, ex- most common example is we got the prelim for an investment deal where I knew the seller in the appointment mentioned he had some kind of a lien for a community service type loan mm-hmm. that he didn't know how much he owed. Right turned out it was a they're considered a super lien is that correct well, what are they called it, he's talking about the pace loan that we had the other day so okay. got so a pace assessment there's different types of assessments that can come up on a property and um, yeah what the specific one that you're talking about he took out some sort of loan and it's a government program mm-hmm. so you pay for the loan through your property taxes Gotcha. So it's an assessment that comes up in your property taxes. And usually these are for things that will make your home more energy efficient. So for solar panels or new windows, um, I've seen synthetic grass, Mm -hmm. water heaters, um, HVAC, things like that. So you can pay for these things through your taxes. Now, when they sell this to you, usually people, it seems like in my experience that people end up paying way more or they don't really understand exactly yeah. what they, they signed up for. They do prey on the elderly on these things. It's, it's the craziest, yeah. most unfortunate thing I've ever seen because they don't remember. Like this guy, he just knew that he did something, but he wasn't really sure what he did. Well, and without disclosing any amounts, in he, tr- he racked up 50% of the yes. loan in late fees. Right. Yes. Because they don't understand what they're doing, right? They're just being sold that they're going to get a higher efficiency home in the process. They're not thinking about these taxes that will inevitably have to be paid. And we told them that, you know, our purchase contract obviously says that, you know, you're to pay all liens and provide a clean title or a clear title. I'll pay for the title report and everything, but not your liens. There is nothing more unfortunate when these elderly people are coming in and wanting to sell these properties so they can move into their you know retirement facility right and they're expecting all this money not understanding that guess what somebody got to be paid it's so, the yeah. saddest thing ever that was a perfect example though of when a buyer should be calling and asking about what is this and then right. how is this going to get cleared which in this case it's going to get handled it through escrow directly with the county correct mm-hmm. and a perfect example of why you would just want to jump in quick close and buy it because I, I would jump the gun it, my guess. <laughs> yeah, you would have inherited it and you would have been right. responsible for it yeah. i actually have two examples of where something like this happened so we had a client where she Purchased the home and it was a title company handled it and they did not pay the pace assessment or hero assessment through Mm -hmm. escrow. Mm -hmm. And she agreed to it within the prelim approval. Mm -hmm. So 
then she goes to sell the property and uh, I tell her there's this assessment against the property and I asked her, it was her grandmother that took out the loan and I asked her for her grandmother's information so I could order the demand letter and it was like $50,000 and she's like, I didn't agree to this and I went back to the title company and I asked them, did she agree to this? Was it disclosed to her? And sure enough, it was disclosed. It was on the prelim as one of the exceptions. So that's why reviewing the title report is super important. Click on all of those links open the documents because when you're signing the prelim approval you're signing and approving that you approve that none all these items that are on the prelim are going to be exceptions to your policy the title company is not going to ensure when you realize that there's a fifty thousand dollar loan you agreed to that item on the prelim you were told that there's this Mm -hmm. loan against the property and you're taking it on so my concern is right when you're buying this home your adrenaline levels right up kind of somewhere out here right Mm -hmm. and you're not thinking straight your head is not in the game and i think that on some level we have to be dialing these people back in do you hear what i'm saying because they're signing loan documents right right signing Mm -hmm. all these legal documents they're approving a preliminary report saying what you know they're willing to take on somebody else's debt i don't think people understand how important it is especially with real estate agents right that you're like can we just talk about this you're the voice of reason Right. We can tell people all we want. But a lot of times they're like, I just want to move into this house. I don't care what I have to slow down here, people. Mm -hmm. You do care. You do. Yeah. Because at some point, something like this could come up and it's scary. So you guys. This is like all part of the providing a clear title. This is that second part of your job. Correct. Right. Yes. Um, Another example where we actually had to file a title claim was where one of my clients, they investors, they purchased a home off of, they purchased it at an auction Mm -hmm. and actually from a bank, excuse me, it was a foreclosure. Mm -hmm. So they didn't get to pick which title company they wanted to work with. They, They had to go with the bank. The title report showed a hero assessment, but it only showed one. And there were actually two for mm-hmm. solar. So the title company at the time, they paid the assessment. And then when we got our report back, there was still an assessment that was showing. And I looked at the previous And tax they were bill. similar amounts. That was the crazy part about it. So you yeah. kind of would have assumed. They were like a repeat. A, yeah. And it was like for solar panels, both of the assessments, some outrageous amount, like $60,000 worth of solar panels on a 1,200 square foot house. Like, wow. It was outrageous. Yeah. And when I'm explaining this to the sellers, the investors that purchased the home, they're like, this doesn't make any sense. We paid the pace, the seller paid the pace assessment. And this is where their title policy came into effect. And the policy was issued by Fidelity. So we were able to help a little bit with the claim because they're one of our sister companies. Mm-hmm. Our underwriting, our title officers, a lot of people are the same. Right. So when we reviewed the title report and we review the taxes i noticed there's two assessments and only one was paid so the company had to go back file a claim and then pay another i think it was like forty two thousand dollars that had to be paid yeah well can we do a real uh, a once over so um all the real estate contracts that we write we always have uh title insurance as part of it correct in the investing world, this, the buyers usually are paying for it because we're paying for all closing costs as part of our like value proposition. On most real estate sales that I see, typically I see the seller pays for it in almost all of the normal. In Fresno County, it's typical that right. the owner's policy. But the, in that's our area. in Fresno County 
only. I mean, like it can be other places also, but but it's a negotiable point. Absolutely. If you're listening in Fresno, typically the seller's paying for it. Correct. That being said, how much does that typically run? And is there any other way of getting that insurance if you don't go through a title company? So title insurance is only issued on sale transactions for our company, at least. Not I don't know if other if other companies will issue it. I don't think you can just go in and say, I want a title policy on my home. Mm-hmm. So for us, at least, it's you have a sale transaction. That's the only time you can get an owner's title policy. And it's a posted rate. We're governed by the Department of Insurance. There's certain sales prices and then certain premiums that go along with those sales prices. Gotcha. So they're all posted rates. They're not like a percentage of the sales price. It's Can you give posted. us like a very loose ballpark range? I have one right now that it's, you know, I did those fees like right before yeah. I left. And anything under what is it, $60,000? It's like 425 bucks for an owner's policy. Now, it so it's more and more mm-hmm. expensive, exp- you know. As Our the, average house sale in Fresno right now is like 450. Right. So insurance is going to be like 1700 ish like somewhere in that like $2,000 or so yeah Yeah. in between like a thousand three thousand bucks Mm -hmm. usually your title and escrow fees are going to run you about a percent Mm -hmm. okay that's Mm -hmm. a good that's a good gauge just a quick rule of thumb if you're trying to ballpark yes Mm -hmm. now and another quick question i wanted to ask too so from the seller's perspective right a, a lot of sellers that we work with when they're obviously having their home sold, right? Their big thing at the end of the day is how am I gonna get my money, mm-hmm. right? And am I gonna have to be responsible for paying off my mortgage? How do I do that? And then how do I get my check at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Is it gonna be blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, 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 right? Can you guys explain a little bit what your responsibility is on the back end for the sellers in that aspect? So when we close escrow, we like to quote within 24 hours, they will have access to their funds. They can either come pick up a check from us. It, it's a Chicago title check. Or we can wire funds to them. Again, we start going back down this road. Wire frauds on the uprise. I think I say it 50 times a day. I don't know. It's something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, We are constantly, even though they provide these wire instructions to us, we are calling, again, to confirm these instructions. What I will tell you is that just because we initiate a wire doesn't mean that it's going to get there right away. Right. If we're dealing with a credit union, it takes a while for them to post that. It just it just does. Um, if you were dealing with an investment account, it takes a while because it goes from a bank to the investment account where they post it to our actual seller. So, you know, we can assign funds to another escrow. So when we start talking about the escrow that we're closing today, you know what I mean? And they're buying another house somewhere Uh else. We can send that money to an exchange company. We can send that money to the other title company. It's called an assignment of funds. So um, the good news about wires, they become effective immediately. Most of these banks are placing holds on our check up to 10 business days because they are not cashier's checks. No. So the easiest way probably is to get money is wiring. one of the little sidebars that I would like to mention is that we make that check payable to who the seller is of our property. So if you're holding title in your trust, it is getting made payable to the trust. Yeah. If you do not have a trust account, that's going to cause a problem when you go to deposit your money. Yeah. So you need to make sure that whoever is the seller of that property, they have an account that is available. Yeah. I want to add to that too. Going back to, we make it payable to whoever is the owner of record. 
the owner of record can't tell us that they want us to pay the check to their child or no. to their parent or to their friend. Yeah. It has to be paid yes. to, to them. them. To the seller. There's no way around it. Yeah, I found that people get really funky around money in real estate. And so even like an $800 deposit or something, mm -hmm. it's always been very helpful to have the third party. I think right. a lot of people think that the realtors hold the check. And I've had people ask me to hold their check and I'm like, yeah. you're going well, directly in. We're not holding it either. We're right. putting that thing right in. So mm -hmm. yeah, so <laughs> a quick note, if you're an investor or even a buyer, your earnest money deposit gets deposited into the escrow account. And then you mentioned earlier, in very briefly in passing, that money is not leaving that account until there's it, the contract has been fully executed down to a T or mutual cancellation. Can mm -hmm. you explain? I mean, obviously, we'd have to have an attorney in here to explain when a fund goes to a certain person or another. But for you guys, you don't ever just give a buyer or seller money. It's only ever fully executed with all parties agreeing, correct? Correct. So when we say mutual cancellation, both a buyer and seller have to agree on what's happening with the earnest money deposit. So that money sits in our account until we have a fully executed cancellation. Mm -hmm. So the canceling party signs and the other party also signs. Gotcha. Literally right before we walked in, uh, we left the office today, the phone call that I had was, hey, my buyer has been looking for their earnest money deposit and you guys haven't released it. Well, where's your cancellation, buddy? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. we like, well, the seller's agent isn't responding. Well, I need you to go talk to their broker. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to have the seller sign the cancellation in order to be able to release any of the money. Yeah. And then can you clarify real quick, because the other time that you guys disperse money is obviously at closing. Correct. Mm -hmm. I've had sellers ask me this. I've explained it, but I probably should not have. Can you explain the breakdown of what happens on the closing day? how money and the transfer of the deed work because it's kind of like it feels like a standoff a little bit like the buyer's <laughs> like i'll give you the money but you have to give me the house the seller's that's like exactly give me the money then i'll give you the house yeah, that's right exactly. that's yeah. exactly so how, how does that and when i tell you we've had people who are like i'm not giving you the keys until i get my my wire it's like well i have no control over when you're going to receive your wire i mean i right. can initiate it all i want but a lot of people are like, but I want it in my account. Uh, and I have this happen all the time. So can you and explain I, the timeline and the protections and how that little last part works? Sure. So when we go and get a buyer's loan funded, after they've signed their loan documents, the lender has felt that all the conditions have been satisfied, all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, we're ready to fund. The lender sends us the money, and we, when we send out the message to you guys that says the loan has funded, that means that the lender has initiated a wire to us. It doesn't the mean we have it. Yeah, the money is not here yet. Because then the next question always like, well, is it on record? It funded hours ago. No, <laughs> we have to have the money in our account before we can submit it for recording. That was a personal attack. Yeah. <laughs> Back off, buddy. Yeah, that was a, we'll tell you when you're on record. All right, continue. <laughs> so once the, because stuff still goes wrong, you guys don't know half of the things that go on in escrow and it's because most people can't handle the truth yes there's a movie quote that we use on a regular basis you can't handle the truth you just can't there's if we told you guys everything that went on in escrow you would have a heart attack literally yeah and so when people are like well what about this what about this like, what could go wrong everything i, I click this <laughs> yeah I, I don't really think you want to know what could possibly go wrong 
Because it's everything me, under the sun. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah, it really I mean, is. And, and, you know, if I hear one more time, oh, we've never had this happen before. Yeah, you have, but we don't tell you. We only tell you guys when we don't really have any other choice. Right. <laughs> and, so. we, and in literally, when we tell you there's literally no choice, we literally sit down together and say, so, how, how are we going to address this? Because the bottom line is, is we can't, like, until it goes bad, we can't, we don't know that, it, we don't know what's going to go wrong until it goes wrong. Right. right. And you guys will kind of look at us like, well, why didn't you know where, why it was going to go wrong? It's like, you have no idea why. <laughs> so between the time of when the lender sends us the money and it hits our account, stuff can go wrong. So the, tr- the money goes through the Federal Reserve. Money can get held by the Treasury Department. There's this thing called OFAC, and that's where it's O-F-A-C. I forget exactly what it stands for. Office it's of Foreign Affairs Asset Committee. Control or yeah. something like something. that. Someone look it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyways, it's called OFAC, and that's where the Treasury Department will request further information in order to clear the wire. Mm-hmm. So they will list the, when the lender sends the money, they list who the beneficiary is. And if your name is on some list with the government, it mostly happens with people who have common names. We've never had an OFAC where it was an actual hit though. No. I don't think I want that to happen. No, I don't want to. That, that let me, be let me tell you, that there would be nothing worse than your guy has been supplying money to the very bad guys. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're, that means they, they're up to no good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So money can get held. And the longest that we've ever had some money in OFAC, I think, was three days. Wow. It can yeah. be 20 minutes. It could be two hours. Yeah. It could be two days. You just don't know. So when we say it's funded, again, we don't know when we're going to get it. We just gotcha. know that the process, we're moving. We're moving, but we don't know when we're when we're moving to the next part. Gotcha. So once the money hits our bank account, then we go back into our file, we make sure we still balance, we have enough money from the buyer to be able to pay the seller, and all of our accounting balances. At that point is when I will submit the file for recording with our recording unit. What that means then is I'm gonna hit a button that says submit for recording and then they do what's called a date down. A date down is where they check one more time to make sure that there's no liens against the property or our people that are involved in the transaction. From the day that we did the preliminary report in the first place. Mm. So, so there's on, a date on there. So, you can, so if you, you're checking the, from the day we disclosed everything, the next 15 days of escrow, right. did you pull out any loans? Did anything hit the account or the property or the person? I right. like it when we had the $2 million tax lien that showed up for, against the seller. Gotcha. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I forgot about that. I forgot, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that was out there, but I didn't, you know. I'm like, you could kind of given us the heads up two weeks ago even? Like, we're not closing. We had to, and we had yeah. to give the wire back to the, you know. So you're just double, that's like the date down is a double check. Like, yeah. before we do anything. Yeah. Right. Good to and, go. And again, we didn't do it. We're just the angel of death that's telling you. That has to, yes. Those and are it, really it, fun conversations yeah. on the day of closing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it can happen. Yeah. Right. So once the date down is done and the title department reviews all of our recordable documents, they double check legal descriptions, names. Again, these are humans that are doing this. So 
still like sometimes mistakes can happen, but we're ensuring the title to the client's home. So if anything were to happen, if there's a typo or anything like that, which happens a lot, we still are ensuring your home that you're the legal owner and we then have a responsibility to fix it if any problems come up later on. Gotcha. So once the file, once everything is ready to go, then the title department submits the documents to the county recorder's office. In Fresno County, we record digitally. So with our company, we scan documents in and they get uploaded and we have a portal that we work with through the recorder's office. And they, even at that point, it's not over till it's over. So the county can still come back and reject a document if they don't like a notary stamp, if your client signed through their name, if they can't read their name, if a page is out of order, if you reference an Exhibit A, but on the Exhibit A, you forgot to put Exhibit A and you said legal description. If there's it's really ridiculous. Like if there's a name that doesn't match on the first page and the signature line and the notary page. So there's all these things that can happen. And rejections happen. Yeah. And We've, this is going on when when you guys tell us the file is released to record. Yes. Correct. This so, is so everything going so we're on in, in the so we're in okay we've moved from one step right that mm-hmm. we've said now the money's here now we're releasing it to record again when you say what could go wrong and everyone's like no big deal because they co- they record it all the time and you know no big deal yeah there's like like people don't realize that once we get loan documents that's when the real job begins right we haven't even really touched anything until like loan docs here get here. And when I tell you, people are like, let's sign fun clothes in the same day. I'm going like this. Me and Christy are convinced she's going to have a heart attack at her desk between the hours of three and five, because that's when everybody sends the loan <laughs> documents. Three and five, any given day. I'm just going to I'm just going to call it. I know when my death is going to occur. It will be a Chicago title. They will end up taxidermying me. So it'll. she's on a conference call. With her glasses on. She's fine. Just ignore her. That is so dark. And yet, so accurate. So when it's out released to record, the seller does not get access to any money. The no. buyer's funds are there, no. but the seller doesn't get anything no. yet. Right. Because it's the, not the official. The lady right. has not sung yet. And, and the, technically, the buyer, they're not the owners of the home. They shouldn't mm-hmm. have the keys yet either. No. Okay. So then when does the f- official transfer happen? When we send you an email that says... We're on record. Ta-da! So that's when the county has officially stamped the document and it's established a record that title has transferred into the buyer's name. And at that point, then what we're going to do is we're going to figure out, we're going to start balancing out the file again. Because we have to double check everything. We're going to go through the contract, all the addendums, all the counters, all of the invoices that were provided to us, all the payoff demands, look at the title report again, check the taxes, check the lender's figures. So it's a process. We have to go through and make sure that all the paperwork was signed again. So our assistant, Caitlin, she closes out our files and she can knock out a closing without any interruptions in about 30 minutes. But Without interruptions so as our as life no is, calls our her. life is our life is one big interruption <laughs> and it's our job to also be like this okay it's great it's fine everything's mm-hmm. fine we're so glad to talk to you we want to talk to you again yeah call us some more <laughs> call back soon <laughs> call back soon like tomorrow or like in three minutes whatever works for you no, but, no don't this feel I know you're attack this is a personal attack no because no, no, here's here's the best part about all this we have so many 
Oh, this is really going to come out bad, huh? We have a, quite a few people on our team. So it allows us to have these conversations. And that's why I love the team that I'm on. Because when you do call, we can focus directly on you. I'm not closing a thing file. That's why I'm like, hey, CJ, what's going on back there? Right. You know, it, it allows for all kinds of things yeah. to take place. That if if it was just Love and I, it might be a little... So can you break down when you're closing out a file? I explain to people that like the seller is the last person who makes money. Like before that, they're the first one. Is that really how it works? Can you break it down? Because I would love to learn. I know I've always said Uncle Sam's going to get his first, and then I kind of go backwards from there. Yeah, so the sellers are priority though. Well, and and I think that he what he's talking about is there's a sales price. Yes, he's he's going down the road of there's a sales price, and then all the bills that come out of there, and that's exactly right. Right, but when it comes to actually getting paid. We once have, you've checked the values, it doesn't matter. Once you've verified, okay, well, the seller's going to make X amount, you can wire that first. Except for the fact that we got to make sure that all the bills are in there. Now, That's and what, what I'm what, saying. And what, I'm, what I will say is that along the way, we have not been willy-nilly escrow where we're not, you know, we're not checking the the yeah. you know purchase agreement and all that kind of stuff. We're not, we're checking the bills as we go along, but here's the problem. There are, if you think about all the ins and outs of what we do, what I will tell you is that if I put a five instead of an eight, I am a reckless escrow officer. Okay? A five instead of an eight. I mean, think about it. If I do a 285 instead of a 255, people, like, lose their mind. Uh, um, I'm, I'm human. I don't care how, if I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm still human. You know, and so that's a lot of people just don't realize that it really is like that minimal of a mistake. And what was an amazing transaction where we answered our phone every time and we were here for you whenever you needed, you know, your therapy session and (laughs) all these things. Right. And I put a five. And I'm reckless. So it's very interesting, you know, that that last check, you don't want to rush through that. That you know what I mean? Cuz at the end of the day, our job is to make sure that when we close escrow, we're not calling you 2 months down the road and hmm. saying, <laughs> "Guess what?" You know? Right. That's why you want that moment for them to sit down with the contract and read it because a lot of people are like, "I want my money. I want my money." Do you, do you? I think you might want to wait and make sure it's done right more than you want your money seems fair absolutely so one other thing is we kind of wrap up that topic one topic we wanted to talk about Mm because like scott mentioned we have a lot of newer and or younger people getting into especially the investment space Mm -hmm. and one of the easiest ways or one of, one of the least barriers to entry to get into the investment space is doing a wholesale or an assignment deal, mm-hmm. okay? So... <laughs> Please talk about <laughs> So we wanted to just get a breakdown because as new investors, a, a lot of the concern comes from, well, crap, I don't want the seller to know that I'm making... 30 grand by just selling the piece of paper to somebody else, right? So how do you guys take care of an escrow on a deal that is a wholesale or an assignment? So let me start by saying I love assignments. 
So do we. <laughs> we so do we. I sit back and I'm like, what am I doing here? Why am I not That's out why there? The wallets are like all thick and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they're so folds. This is a, a new thing. Like, assignments are very big right now. That is one of the. Like, I have more realtors saying, like, screw real estate. Like, screw my license. I'm going to go and get these contracts. Sorry. So, <laughs> so when we have an assignment agreement. So, let me just, we'll start by explaining what it is. So, mm-hmm. I get into contract with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy your home. I say, I'm going to buy it for $100,000. And then I decide, eh, I don't really want to buy it. I'm going to actually assign the agreement over to Cade. And I want to make a little bit of money. I want to make $25,000 on this assignment. So Cade is then going to agree to pay a sales price of $100,000 plus an assignment fee to me of $25,000. So technically he's paying $125,000. Now that's Mm -hmm. not the sales price though. The sales price is $100,000. Right. Because the sales price is what the seller sees. Right, and what gets recorded. Yes, and what's established of record. So 125 is what you're paying, but 100 is the sales price. So when we get these assignments, we will, usually we'll ask you guys ahead of time, are you going to assign it or are you going to actually buy it yourself? Because that's going to determine when I'm going to start working on your file. Because I'm not going to work on it until I know who the end buyer is. Mm-hmm. Right. With our team, the process that we take is once we have the assignment, that's when we prepare all of our final documents, and then we'll call the seller in to sign. The seller is never told the assignment fee. We don't disclose it. And they don't even know that it's being assigned. They do. Oh, really? Yes. We have to have them sign an instruction because they have an agreement with you to buy the property, Hmm. but then you assign your interest over. Now, within your contract, you... We do have an assignment Mm -hmm. clause that we break down. Exactly. You're putting in, it's going to be Faro Real Estate and or assignee. So Mm -hmm. that little extra verbiage is super important. Um, a lot of the times the sellers, w- when you have these properties in escrow, these sellers, they just want to get paid. They don't right. care who they're selling it to. Right. So they, I've never had a seller question it. I'm waiting for the day where somebody starts to question it. But even then, if they ask us, what's the assignment fee? How much is somebody making? We can't tell them. That's not something that is that they're privy to. So the a document, though, that they sign, it's a disclosure saying that the contract is being assigned. And there's a clause in there, too, that says that this assignment may or may not be at a profit. Right. So the buyer and sellers sign this document to the assignee, assignor, and the seller. They're all on this document, and everybody signs it. It's just a disclosure. We have to disclose that mm-hmm. there's potentially an assignment fee. Even if you weren't taking an assignment fee, we would still have to have that document signed. Exactly, because even in traditional escrows, right, some people either, if they were originally on the agreement as an individual, they may be assigning it to their corporation or an LLC, Correct. right, where it mm-hmm. might not be at value. Even a trust. Or a trust. Yeah. Yeah, you know? we just, the a, one we closed today, Yeah, there was an assignment. Yeah, exactly. So you have to make sure that the entities that are actually taking title are the ones that are listed on your contract as mm-hmm. the buyer. So even though the buyer is the signer for the trust and it's their trust, they're not the buyers now. The trust is the buyer. The trust right. is technically mm-hmm. its own entity. Mm-hmm. So going back to this assignment thing for just a second, though, we just had one recently where there were... Five? Oh, my God. There was four assignments. Four assignments. Daisy chains. <laughs> and we are going... We our have boys. another one right our now. Everyone needs to calm down. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Everyone needs to Dude, stop. Dude, the price started at like six, $60,000 or something we like that. We know about it. 
Yeah, and the la- we, end buyer yeah. paid like $160,000. Yeah, we know. You know what's know funny? Them. Hey, yeah. Jake, if you're out there listening, we're talking about your deal, my man. Uh, we had Jake. Uh, we had Jake on. Um, what did go wrong? Yeah. Let's talk about that. What did go wrong? Funny thing is, we had Jake on uh, more maybe two months ago. When he had just closed his first deal, we had him on and we talked about his first deal, closing out his first assignment. Uh-huh. And then since then, he's been out there putting deals together. And it sounds like a little little deal here with if you five. If you knew him, then clearly he's doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> so how does it all get facilitated then if the seller is signing, they're acknowledging that it could have been assigned at a profit. You're saying they don't see any of the assignment side. They see a final statement that shows their purchase price, any liens or loans or fees. And tax durations and that's it. And that's it. And then Mm -hmm. that's That's their profit. Right. What does the buyer see? The buyer is going to see the sales price, tax durations, all of the title and escrow fees, transfer tax, and then all the assignment fees that they're paying. So a buyer is going, if you're going to assign the contract over, you want to disclose to your buyer what the fee Uh is so i recently had someone ask this question you know does the buyer does the end buyer see the assignment fee and the answer is yes they're going to see how much they're paying you and there's some people that get upset about this but i mean what are you going to do money's got to show somewhere yeah right you can't just disappear are you going to sit there and be (laughs) upset that somebody else is making forty thousand dollars or are you going to take the deal flip it and and still make me your money yeah Uh exactly so mm-hmm. you can't spend your time, you know, wasting your energy There's worrying no about everybody else. Do you? Right. <laughs> I'm with you. Do you guys see any kind of legislation changing within the escrow community on disclosure for, because I know some escrow companies won't work with us on an escrow like this. Correct. Others will. And then there's others who play the gray area within a certain percentage of the mm-hmm. sales price. You can make that without it being disclosed anything more they have to disclose it. So like on Jake's deal, we we had to get underwriting approval because right. I'm like, one person is, the seller's making this amount, but then somebody's willing to pay this amount on the contract in the, at the end of the day. And their stance was, as long as we have all of our disclosures signed appropriately, and we, we had to make sure that the person understood that there's no elder abuse going on or anything like right. that. Mm-hmm. And the person wasn't elderly, and they had their wits about him, and they were notarized by a Chicago title-approved notary and filled out all their paperwork. They were coherent. They understood what was happening. Because, right. you know, we don't want to get involved in something we, like whenever that. Whenever we work with over 60, we have a witness signed, too. Yeah. What and that's a great say? practice. Are you, gonna, are you personally Uh-oh. attacking me? Uh-oh. Do you want to fight? <laughs> I'm knocking on that door, baby. It's just we know that that's where the attorneys come in. In, a, in about two seconds, you mean, hey, elderly lady, <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, hey, you want to close your escrow? You need, you need Love's witness signature to get any of your escrows closed. Oh God! So, Love, can you make sure Christy had it yeah. together today, please? So it breaks down. So I mean, like, you think that as long as the seller's coherent and all your T's are crossed and I's are dotted at this point you don't see that going away right now or what do you think it could change I mean uh-huh. everything right. like with a light switch you know mm-hmm. some the new yeah. rules could come out all it takes in my opinion all it takes is one lawsuit one title claim and then the rules change yes gotcha so as so long what, as we're gonna we're, we're gonna roll right now mm-hmm. until we can't right. hmm. 
And then you guys will hear about it. Right. Yeah. At some point, we'll get <laughs> yeah. a call saying, hey, you can't do an assignment. Yesterday, right. they changed the rules. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can we can wrap up on this topic pretty soon here. Yeah. But what I was going to say is that um, at a different company, I had an assignment clause where I was making over 25%. Uh-huh. And it kind of seemed like a, an arbitrary rule. And they had me write a letter of explanation on why I was making mm-hmm. that money. And mm-hmm. I had to write a letter of explanation saying that the property was in distressed condition and that the seller's circumstances required or uh, led to them making a decision to sell the home at a discount and they willingly acknowledged it on the purchase contract and that I had disclosed what the potential sale value on the MLS is. Uh Being realtors, I find that it's a little bit more liability to Mm -hmm. make sure that you over-disclose. Right. Right. Do you guys have anything like that? I haven't had you reach out and say, write a letter of explanation but do you have a limit like if a seller makes 50,000 and you make 50,000 is that going to be a problem I would submit to underwriting and ask Mm -hmm. them I would say like so there's a chance yeah because we look at the numbers and Mm -hmm. we have to make a judgment call too and say Mm -hmm. like okay is this okay okay so good now when you have when the property is fit you know I we have some where the value the sales price is ten thousand dollars and somebody's making a ten thousand dollar assignment Mm -hmm. fee when the numbers are smaller like that there isn't a concern now as we get more and more and the liability for the company is higher too Mm -hmm. is we're issuing remember we're issuing title insurance Mm -hmm. and the title insurance is valued at the sales price so as our liability increases there's going to be more requirements in order for us to feel comfortable with insuring the title of the home Mm -hmm. gotcha have you have you had anybody ever come back who their property was assigned and say anything to you? It's hard for me to believe that a seller is going to look online and no, look no. up the tax records no. to see if the entity that signed is the entity that a owns it. A lot of it. these people that are selling like this, though, they're just like, they, they got to get out. I That's mean, our experience so that, as well. They got to yeah. get out. They just mm-hmm. Again, they, they just want their money. You know, they might have inherited this property from mm-hmm. Uncle buck and you know, right. now they want they don't want anything or to do with their it. their tenants destroyed it or yeah. family circumstance they're whatever not interested in right. fixing it most so. people they're just fed up and they don't want to deal with it i i sit here back and i'm like why would anybody in their right mind just not go talk to a realtor you know pay them three percent four five six percent to list the home and so, i mean maybe somebody will come along maybe they'll make a little bit of extra money desperate but there's people do desperate things also yeah, a lot of people exactly. hate realtors yeah that's true too well, yeah I, do, yeah I, I, okay I, okay that's enough <laughs> thank you grandma um, no i was gonna say <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast um peace out I'm out of here i Turn was gonna say crap. the reason why in our experience why people haven't done it too because they are talking to a realtor when they work with us, right? Yeah, and you guys right. see, we probably do just as many assignment and flips as we do regular resale. Right. The big thing that we find is that the people who don't want to go on the MLS, it's truly, they're embarrassed and ashamed. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of the people, like when we buy a property, I mean, they are, their properties are absolutely destroyed. Mm-hmm. And these are people like us. Like if you came over to my house and my house was absolutely thrashed, I would be embarrassed. Now imagine trying to have a stranger come up and say, well, we'll have a whole bunch of people walk through the house. Mm-hmm. You'll make a little bit more money. Well, some people are very shy. I don't think any of us here are particularly shy, but somebody who is more sensitive about what people might say or think about them, right. along with that, like a lot of the times we'll do a breakdown. Here's what you'd make after commissions, fees and everything. And then here's what you'll make from us as a direct offer. How much is 20,000 to you? 
And that's mm-hmm. the line I use. Mm-hmm. I'll say, here's what I think you could sell for. Obviously, it could go up more. I always say, you know, a cash buyer is not going to pay nearly as much as a, a homeowner would. Right. Mm-hmm. And I say, what's 20000 to you? Because you'd be surprised. I mean, people who might look like they don't have a dollar to their name, they might have millions. Mm-hmm. Who knows? 20000 really might just be, you know. Drop in the bucket. Right. And they might just say, you know what? I'm happy to be done. Mm-hmm. So that's typically why I would say we see people not want to even talk mm-hmm. to a realtor. Mm-hmm. It's just embarrassment, um, circumstance, timing, yeah. headache, mm-hmm. can't yeah. get a loan on the property, those kinds of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. That cool. wrap that wraps up that was all, my all the things I wanted to make sure we hit. <laughs> Is there anything we missed that you guys were wanting to share that might be something, one, that you want agents, investors to hear, or even home owners buyers yes. that we miss i, I, I have a couple perfect. of things I, yes. I, I have you go first uh, old people first so age before beauty <laughs> oh my yeah. god i wasn't gonna say it <laughs> yeah. scott's scott, on a roll he's gonna um, keep going some of you need some help in the future i'm like scott pharaoh who anyway we're gonna that, find again, again yeah. scott <laughs> behind the building filters. do you hear the filters rolling yeah <laughs> <laughs> So what I will tell you is that we like closing escrows. And a lot of people think we're just the gatekeepers that want to prevent people from closing escrows. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is that we're on your team. We are so dedicated to want to make sure that not only is it done, but it is done perfectly. And a lot of people are like, they're just so mean. No, we want to do it right for you. And, and that takes time it is there's nothing instantaneous somebody said well it made it sound like you know when you said that it was just gonna be easy i go well it's a minute though i don't snap my fingers i'm not you know and things don't just happen i have to like process it and in between the phone calls and making sure that everybody's okay and making sure that the underwriters in on the same page making sure that the title officer's on the same page making sure that the buyer sign the seller sign we have to review documents you know, so this let's let's go as fast as we possibly can. That's a problem. That's a problem, you know. And not that we can't, but just understand there are consequences for going too fast. Good point. So yeah. Go ahead now. Now, beauty, please please go ahead and talk. Um, one of my things that I like to talk to this is more directed at buyers and agents when you're on the buyer side. If you have a buyer, ask them if they're married and if they want their spouse to go on title with them. Let's not wait until the day we're signing loan documents for us to find out that the buyer wants the spouse to be on title. Or the buyer's spouse is in prison. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> if Any you're married, important information that might be relevant yes. somehow. My favorite question is, are you married? And then the response is... Crickets. I like the crickets well, first. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. No, it's not complicated. <laughs> are, are you legally yes. married? Or yes or no? And it's a big hanging deal. It's a big hanging deal because here's the deal. If you are going into title and I was hypothetically married, God forbid. And um, I, but I was in the middle of a divorce, right? And I go in and he signs an interspousal and all that kind of good stuff. And we go down this road and he has um, liens against him. They attached to my property. We just I'm had that gonna, happen. I'm not going to run. They're not running. I'm not running buyers' names or spouses' names. It will happen. You'll find out if it's a refinance or a sale. 
We mm. just had that happen to somebody where she was refinancing her home. Her spouse signed off on the property, but at the time of when he signed off, he had liens. And now they're divorced, and now she's paying his, like, $15,000 worth of liens. Mm-hmm. There's no way around it. Good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, again, we, you know, it's always better to, you know, get don't a divorce. Rush. Well get a divorce and then buy a house i mean really you don't and there's nobody there's no question later on about issues mm-hmm. and you're not having to pay fifteen thousand dollars yeah or more <laughs> later on yeah. or more anything else i think that'll do it for right yeah. now well we're super glad you guys came on we talked about yeah. the whole gamut of title and escrow and the questions that kate and i genuinely have whenever we're smarter? sitting yeah, a Absolutely. little bit. You a look little, a little bit. smarter. I do. It's the glasses. <laughs> it so. looks a little older, too. Huh? Or younger, maybe. Baby Stop. face. Stop. I don't know. <laughs> That's going to wrap it for today. Thank oh you, guys. God. I appreciate you guys coming out. Kate and I are super happy. And uh, if anybody is looking for title and escrow work, how can they reach you? Shh. Reach yeah. out to Chicago Title. <laughs> Chicago Title. That's a loaded question. <laughs> so we're at Chicago Title here in Fresno, California. And we're on the internet and all that kind of stuff. 559-451-3700. There you, you go. Email us, teamketkat at ctt.com. Perfect. Ketka. K-U-T-K-A. All right. Thanks for coming on, guys. <laughs>